Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we believe what Dr. Al Mohler recently said. Every worldview is theological in some sense. It might be more consistently or less consistently theological, more rightful and truthful theology, or less rightful and truthful theology. But there is not a non-theological square inch in the entire cosmos. That's a bold statement. That is a bold statement, and it's a little hard to understand, but I like the last part. There's not a non-theological square inch in the entire cosmos. I know. That's what stuck with me from it, too. I like that. Well, hey, as we begin another podcast, we want to say a special thank you to you. We always try to be really appreciative of our, our group of listeners. You guys definitely have, some of you have been with us from the very beginning. Some may have just. If you have been with us from the very beginning, <laughs> God bless you. And let us know. We'd love to know if you were there from, you from week one. something. Yeah. <laughs> week one of April 2020. Well, hey, we want to say thank you for listening and leaving us ratings and reviews. One recent review comes from our listener, Betsy, and she writes, Kitchen Table Theology is so important and so helpful. Thank you, Pastor Jeff and Jen, for the wonderful biblical education. You're helping to clear up a lot of long-term questions and setting our minds and hearts in the right direction. Grateful for these podcasts. That's so nice. It is so nice. Thank you, Betsy. Thanks, Betsy. And thanks for leaving us and taking the time to leave us that review. And Kitchen Table Theologians, if you haven't left a review or rating, please do so from whatever platform you're listening from right now. Right now. Do it now. Hit pause. Stop. <laughs> Stop and do it now. <laughs> we do honestly appreciate those, and it helps us reach more and more people. Because so many of you have already done that, we've now reached a total of 32,500 downloads. That's amazing. I Yeah, that's beyond what I where I ever thought that this would go. So 32,500. Yeah, and it's probably yet by the time this is aired over that. Yeah. So we'll see. We're amazed by that. <laughs> so thank you. Absolutely. And here at Kitchen Table Theology, we do desire to help you understand right and true theology as found in Scripture. The great evangelist George Whitfield once said, and I agree with him. We agree. I know. <laughs> Study to know God more and more. For the more you know, the more you will love him. And that's what we are hoping to do in all of our lives here at Kitchen Table Theology. That's the whole reason to study theology. It it's it the is. whole reason to be solid in your doctrine because what did he say? Study to know God more and more. The more you know him, the more, the more you're you going to love, love him. him. Yeah. And that's there's no greater reason to study theology and to be a good student of God's Word than that. Absolutely. Well, getting us back on track a little bit today, we're currently looking at a number of things that instantaneously occur in the life of the believer at the moment of salvation. We've covered several of these in our, our previous podcast, so if you missed any of those, go back and, and check those out there in our archives there. Pastor Jeff, what are we going to be looking at today? Well, hello again, Kitchen Table Theologian. Jen, we're going to look into the concept of being complete in Christ. Mm. Another one of the riches of divine grace that God sends our way. And again, what we're currently going through here at Kitchen Table Theology are the things that occur instantaneously at the moment of salvation in the life 
and the heart of every new believer. So being complete in salvation is one of the things that happens in that instantaneous moment of salvation. You know, most of us probably have somewhat of an idea of what that means in a general sense. Ooh, is it going to be like Jerry Maguire? What? You complete me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You oh, I guess. You complete <laughs> yeah. me. Oh. All right. She's making hand gestures again, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's going to be a little bit different and probably a whole lot better than, than Let, the Jerry let's Maguire hope we go version of Jerry that. Maguire yes. and um, Mini Me. Yeah. <laughs> but let's see what it means as we dig deeper into this doctrine. So where do you want to begin? Well, let's begin with what we use as our foundational Bible verse today from Colossians. Paul writes, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So in his epistle, in his letter to the church at Colossae, Paul was faced with the task of spiritually encouraging this relatively small church and he wants to encourage them spiritually, and he wants to teach them good, solid doctrine, while at the same time rejecting what are known as Gnostic teachings. Gnostic is spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-C. So it's not Gnostic, it's Gnostic teaching. <laughs> and these Gnostic teachings had already crept into this young church, and Paul's giving them all of the, the this doctrine, this theology, and while he's giving them good, solid Bible stuff, he's rejecting or, or trying to point out all this Gnostic heresy. Okay, so Gnostic. Other than telling us it has that lovely silent G, mm. what is Gnostic teaching? Let's hit the pause button and make sure we understand what Gnostic teaching is before we go on. How exciting. It is Are exciting. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're listening? Then we're going to talk about Gnosticism. We'll do this very quickly, okay? But it's a it's a really good thing to know because Colossians is not the only book that Paul addresses this stuff. Mm. And you see some of the tentacles of Gnosticism even in some of the worldviews today. So this is not just something kitchen table theologian that, oh, they were dealing with this in the first century. I don't need to pay any attention to it because we see some of it even in, in, in our world today. All right, so Gnostic teaching called Gnosticism was perhaps the most dangerous heresy that threatened the early church during the first three centuries. So mm. this was around, and it was influenced by philosophers like Plato. Gnosticism is based on two false premises. When you're holding it up against the Bible standard, it, two false premises. For starters, it promotes a duality between soul and matter. So, according to Gnosticism, matter is fundamentally wicked, and spirit is naturally good. So, because of that belief, matter is wicked, spirit is good, Gnostics believe that anything done in the body, even the most heinous transgression, anything done in the body has no worth. You don't really need to worry about it, because genuine life only lives in the spirit realm. Hmm. Okay, so that means, doesn't it, then, that anything and everything you want to do with the body is pretty much game on. Yeah. And therefore, all of what the Bible calls the sins of the flesh are no longer sins of the flesh. That's some pretty major, major repercussions there. You can just go out there and go crazy <laughs> if you... If you want to, yeah, it has a lot of repercussions. So we can readily, I hope you can easily and very readily see that this is antithetical mm -hmm. to the Christian gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, your body in Christianity is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. In Gnosticism, the body, the any matter is wicked. 
And so if you if you just go around out there and you just sleep around with anybody and everybody you want to, doesn't matter because that's not really life. Life is what's found in the spirit. And yet the Bible teaches us, oh no, it matters a great deal mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit and you're made, you're created, you're made, formed, fashioned in the very image of God. Mm-hmm. So big, big dichotomy here between Gnosticism and Christianity. So there's this duality of spirit and body in Gnosticism, okay? Second thing, I said there were two things. Gnosticism claims to have a higher level of knowledge, a higher truth that is only known by a select few. Now, I don't know if that rings any bells with any current stuff that's mm-hmm. out there today, but it, it has the ring of Scientology. Mm-hmm. It has the ring of Mormonism. Mm-hmm. The, the term Gnosticism is derived from the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which means to know. or that's, It's the word for knowledge. Mm-hmm. So Gnostics believe to have gained better knowledge outside of the Bible, that this is what they said they have. We, we have a higher knowledge, we have a greater knowledge than what you have in the Bible because it's on this mystical higher plane of existence. And, and Gnostics regard themselves as a, uh, or back then regarded themselves as a special group of people who have a greater, more in-depth understanding of God than the rest of humanity. Okay, so the whole idea of Gnosticism is very old, and you can really go take that all the way back to the Garden of Eden in some form when Satan questioned God and the words God spoke, and Satan persuaded Adam and Eve to reject those words and choose a lie. So with Gnosticism, is there an idea of of bringing people into that? Or do oh, yeah. they believe that once you're already, you know, I'm of the select few and there's a limited few. And yeah. so there's no idea of evangelism there. Like It wasn't really a religion as much as a worldview, as a oh, okay. philosophy of life. This is how you can live your life. Okay. And it was very popular, obviously. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> because you can just go out and live the most profligate lifestyle. Oh, yeah. And I got free reign. I got I free pass. I can do anything I want with in the flesh, and it doesn't matter. There's no repercussions for me in the hereafter. So all you're, all you're trying to do is gain higher levels of spiritual knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the spirit realm is all that, that really mattered. Hmm. Everything else was back in, in terms of the flesh or matter was, was bad and, just don't you don't have to worry about it. so back to where i was before being interrupted to explain gnosticism <laughs> which was a great call by the way because i would have kept on going and skipped right over it i mean after all doesn't everybody know what gnosticism <laughs> is uh, well i think now that it's explained we can see oh sure like, oh oh yeah, look, yeah. At, look at that religion look at look yeah. at this belief look at this theology look at the twisting of this mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. and that's why when you're reading through especially paul's writings you know, some people I know have a, this thing, well, that was first century. Mm-hmm. That was a Jewish male writing. It has no application to life today. Uh, those are the critics of, of the word, but it really does. It had a different name back then, but the philosophical underpinnings and the worldview, it's still around mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. There's no question uh, mm-hmm. about it. So Paul was tasked with this. His job was to spiritually encourage this relatively small church in Colossae. Now, I don't mean they had one building and they had 75 <laughs> brothers and sisters congregating. So the, this church, the, the, the church back then was meeting in homes, but there weren't a ton of them mm-hmm. in, in that whole region of Colossae. So he wants to encourage them. He wants to teach them while rejecting 
false teachings that had crept into the church. So following his exhortation to the congregation to beware of any of man's beliefs that diverge from what Christ taught us, Paul, in that in that letter to the Colossians, spends the next several verses teaching them that fulfillment or completeness can only be found in Christ. So what they were hearing being taught is you have to keep going up in spirit levels, and only a select few will attain the highest and levels, and in that sense, be complete. And Paul's saying, that's not true. That's a lie. At the moment of your salvation, you were declared complete in Christ. So beginning in verse 10 of Colossians 2, Paul begins to emphasize you are complete in Christ. Got it. But let's let's even pull that apart a little bit. What does that completion mean? What does it bring? What what does that full circle completion mean and what does it include? So let's talk about what it includes so we can better understand how we we are complete. Paul outlined three specific components of that completion and I mean, and and probably more, but in verses eleven and twelve in Colossians, what we have been, where we started in verse ten. Maybe read those verses for us, Jen. Colossians, were we in chapter three or chapter two? I can't recall, but anyhow, it's verses eleven and and twelve. Gotcha. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay. If you are a Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. Circumcised or uncircumcised, doesn't matter. Barbaric, uncivil. I mean, what that pretty much covered everybody, mm-hmm. you know, right there. There's a whole lot going on in those two verses, but let's just concentrate for a second on the claim. That those who are in Christ have been circumcised, as Paul says in Colossians 2.11, a circumcision without hands. So what he's talking about here is a heart circumcision. Mm. In the Old Testament, when a young boy was circumcised, it made him a child of the covenant. He became a part of, of Israel, of God's people. And so now there is a spiritual equivalent to that Old Testament physical procedure Paul's, you know, a lot of these Christians in Colossae came to faith in Christ out of Judaism. So they get all of this, right? So Paul's saying that Old Testament circumcision, the one you've known all of your lives, that was with human hands. This is now without hands. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6 says this, The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul, and so you may live. And so now there's been this turning from Old Testament law and ritual and sacrifice and even circumcision to know God is going to have people who love him with their heart, mm-hmm. not just their actions, not just doing a whole bunch of religious stuff to gain God's favor, to curry his acceptance. No, we're not that those we've turned the page on that now. And and Jen Paul hits on this in his letter to the Roman Christians, many of whom were Jews as well. So if you'd read Romans two, twenty-five to twenty-nine for us, and then we'll start to wrap this up. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than the uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. 
For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change in heart produced by the Spirit, and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Okay, that blew people's minds. Mm-hmm. Paul saying, you know, when you grew up in Judaism, you obeyed the law. You were a good Jew. God accepted you. He goes, you can go through everything. You can even go through circumcision. But if you're not obeying, it's gotten you nowhere. And you can take some uncircumcised Gentile who is obeying God's law and God's, this is my person. This is my man. This is my woman. You know, that went over really well. Yeah, uh, that's why he was in prison for, a, uh, for, among other things. But it just started. This is this is blowing people's mind because this is such a huge change. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's massive. Because now he's talking about the heart. A true Jew, he says, is one whose heart is right with God. And you know, so and as Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. I'm pretty sure you're a Gentile. But we Rome and Paul later goes on in that letter to the Romans. It says we have been grafted in mm. to Judaism. Which I'll just digress for a second. I grew up out in the country, and we had a big FFA program, Future Farmers of America program mm-hmm. at my high school. I have my school. daddy's ring from high school. Yeah, ring, and we had the blue corduroy jackets, mm-hmm. you know, and love FFA. But uh, I took two years of horticulture. In high school, mainly because I was too dumb get, to get through the real classes. <laughs> but boy, there you had to be pretty sharp to get through oh, horticulture. Yeah. That I didn't know that <laughs> when I signed up. But I remember being taught how to graft a branch into a tree, mm. and so you would you would take a good cutting from a healthy tree, and if you wanted to grow another branch in an existing healthy tree, you cut a notch in that tree and you cut a notch on the end of the branch and you stuck that branch into the the trunk or a pretty mm-hmm. substantial other branch of a tree. And then we would wrap it in peat, mm. covered in peat, peat Which moss. Is a kind of moss, kind of, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And really wet. And then we would put saran wrap around it to hold it in place. And then you give it a couple of weeks and the existing tree received and accepted the new branch that had been grafted in. Mm. And then that gr- branch began to grow leaves and sh- new shoots. And as, if it was a fruit-bearing tree, that would that new branch would eventually bear fruit. Mm. That's the exact picture Paul uses mm. of those being outside of Judaism, God's chosen people. Well, now God has chosen people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now, to bring it back, we're talking about the completeness. Paul says the complete person is the person whose heart has been changed by Jesus Christ. And that new heart loves God with all its heart, soul, mind, and that person loves God with all its heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we are complete in Christ, declared so, at the moment of salvation. In Christ, because of our salvation, we have received forgiveness. And now there's victory in our lives because the cross severed the ruling power of Satan in our lives. He's no longer our master. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We have been set free. We can stand in the place of victory because of, of Jesus. So there's a completeness there. We're, we're not out wandering around in the wilderness. We're not out as a, this lone branch looking for somewhere to be grafted. Mm-hmm. We have been grafted into the the tree of Christ, so to speak, the tree of of Israel, God's chosen people. And God now looks at you 
once you are in Christ, from the moment of your salvation, God looks at you as you are a complete person. Mm -hmm. So complete Christian. Completion in Christ means that through Jesus' atoning sacrificial death and his resurrection, all of the work has been done. And our justification is therefore by his grace through faith. We can't try harder. We can't work more to obtain a right standing with God. He's done it all. We are complete in Christ. That all happens at the moment of salvation instantaneously. Mm. And that's what I have been thinking about as we've been talking about this today. It, you know, although it doesn't, none of the scripture verses we talked about, you know, talked about faith with works or without works, that, that, that element is what I've been thinking about. There's nothing you can do to earn this. That branch in and of itself can't go and, you know, graft itself to the, to the tree in a sense. You're right. And yeah. I'll, I'll just say this in closing. Not only is there nothing we can do, there's nothing we need to do. Mm-hmm. Because he has done it. Mm-hmm. And so when he did it, and when we received that, then we were made complete. We were declared complete in Christ. So it's not like Jesus saved you mostly, but you've got to do A, B, C, and D to really get in the club. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Thank God it didn't happen. Thank, thank the Lord we're, it did we're not. We were complete in Christ. Absolutely. That's complete. so much better than Jerry Maguire. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's so much better. Well, hey, thanks as always. Again, as we started our time together today for listening to Kitchen Table Theology. If you are enjoying the show, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening from and kindly give us a rating. And just like Betsy, leave us a review. We would love you to do that. Thank you. (laughs) And don't forget to check out today's episode notes as well. And also head on over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Dr. Cranston, his books, sermons, leadership notes, and blog posts. And Lord willing, we'll be back next week with another great episode. And until next time, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff.com at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.